Okay, let's get into this year's Parshas B'Shalach, Tavshin Ayin Dawid. As we start off with a Kutzker. No better place to start off than a Kutzker. And we start off on a Pasik towards the uh, middle of the Parsha. Parak Tezvav Pasach of Gimel. As the Kutzker always does, gives, giving us a deeper, uh, not Pshutel Shel Mikra, but an insight into life through one phrase in the Pasik, a Kutzker that we could take with us. As we know, the Torah tells us, after Kriyas Yamsuf, we'll get back to this uh, a, a little later. But Esau will come tomorrow. Moshe Rabbeinu brings them tomorrow. <coughs> they travel three days, no water. <coughs> they come to Mara, and they couldn't drink water from Mara. <coughs> because the water was bitter. <coughs> and that, by the way, is the Torah, how the name came to be because of the bitter water. So they complained, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it all sweet. Wonderful. Says the Katzker, if we look closely in Pasach Chav Gimel, Vayavohu marasa, v'lo yachlu l'shoswai mimara, kimarim heim. I mean, source number one, we have at the beginning, because it was bitter. So the simple interpretation of the Pasach is kimarim heim, because the water was bitter. Says the Katzker on a deeper level, kimarim heim, because they were bitter. B'nai Yisrael, somehow, were in a bitter mood. They were thirsty. And when somebody has a bitter attitude, everything is bitter. And no matter what comes their way, is bitter. Explains uh, Rabbi uh, Pliskin in, in uh, source number one, quoting the Katzke Rebbe, this cop says holds true in many areas of life. If a person feels bitter, nothing in life appears positive. Anyone looking for faults and defects will always be able to find them. So much of life depends our, on our attitude going in. If we have a positive attitude, if we see the glass half full, if we could see beyond the present difficulty, then everything is great, then everything's wonderful. It's amazing. If we go in with a good attitude, but if we have the bitter attitude, you cut the sweetest, most delicious water. doesn't taste good. It's bad. It all depends on the attitude. Why was it bitter? Because they were bitter. By sweetening, a bitter person makes himself miserable and those in his environment suffer with him. He thinks he has valid reasons. right? If somebody is in a bad mood, everything is bad. If somebody's in an amazing mood, somebody's smiling, then there could be difficulties, but we'll get through them and it'll be okay. By sweetening one's own outlook, one will live in a much sweeter world. And he quotes, quotes others and he quotes in the continuation, he quotes from Yecheskel Abramsky, the Chazon Yecheskel. Uh, and he quotes from a seum that he made on Masechaz Yevamos. The Gemara tells us, as we know, We say it every week. In the world. They increase peace. How do they do that? So we've said thoughts about this in the past. But it says, Have the attitude of The attitude of everything is pleasant. And everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me is exactly what I need. And anything that I don't have, HaKadosh Baruch Hu obviously feels that I don't need. Through that attitude of Shalom V'Shalva, if they have that attitude, then that's the attitude they spread. And that's the type of energy that they express through everyone around them. Then whatever happens, not as he would have wished, leads to his becoming angry if he is bitter and without satisfaction. But any true Torah scholar is full of happiness satisfaction, pleasure, and joy. The page of the Talmud <coughs> gives a greater pleasure than felt, felt by a wealthy person who obtains a billion dollars. So we know, the 
Torah in the Navi is described. We have to, we have to search for Torah like a, like a special treasure. So says the Kutzker, it's all in one phrase in the Pasuk. It was bitter because they were bitter. We have to be sweet so everything in life could be sweet. It all depends on the attitude. That gets us started. That gets the ball rolling. And now let's go back to the beginning of the Parsha. Beginning of the Parsha, as we know, we started off last week. C.S. Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, Maimon Arsinai, one after another. And the Torah starts off with Klal Yisrael in the desert. In the desert, Pasuk Yud Zayim. Vayibashalach paro esa'am. Velonacham elokim derech eretz plishtim. Ki karofu, Hashem does not take them derech eretz plishtim, which would have been the most direct route up and up to Eretz Yisrael. Ki amar elokim ben yinachim am berosam milchama. That's going to be very close to Mitzrayim. I'm going to take them a longer way around so that they'll be more distant from Egypt. Hashem brings them, encircles them, and they go up, all the different pshatim that Rashi quotes on chamushim. And then we have Pasik, if you continue in the, to the next parak, Hashem tells them a little change of plans, so to speak. Go backwards, says Hashem to Am Yisrael. Go right near Baal Alayam. Why? Why does Hashem want them to take this detour? So that Paro will state, will think about B'nai Yisrael Nevuchim Ba'aretz. They are confused. They're lost. They are don't know where they're going. Let's go get them. Sagar Hamidbar. The Midbar has enclosed them. And though it wasn't so long ago, only a few hours previously, that Paro was jumping and and pushing them out, the Makos were were somewhat in his mind. He'll chase after you. He won't remember Makas Bacharos and that he is a Bachar, the only Bachar that did not die that night. So go back, lead them out, they will come and give chase, and the rest will be history. Source number two. Why did Hashem have to be marim, have to cause Am Yisrael to go back in order to then lure Paro out to the desert? Hashem is controlling Paro's heart, so to speak, at this point. So why did he have to lure them? Just send into Paro's heart the machshava to go chase. Even without Am Yisrael going backwards. Why did they have to go back? Just let him keep going. And Paro will go straight. He can do whatever he wants. So why not Kodesh Baruch Hu do that detail? Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted, what did the Pasuk could have said, even without going backwards. Why do you have to go backwards? Lead them out. Paro will think, says the Maharal, says the Arachayim HaKadosh. It was all done 
to allay fears of Klal Yisrael. It was done for their benefit, even though they didn't realize it. Says the Arachayim, source number two, we have to realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's great love for his people at this time. He wanted Am Yisrael to feel safe, to realize that he was with them. He, capital H. This is the reason what I'm about to tell you, says the Arachayim HaKadosh who has been called the Ramban of the Achronim, the Ramban leading the way after Rashi was in his own category, the Ramban in just going through the depth of the Pshat of the Pasuk, says the Yorachayim HaKadosh, why did he do this? So he says, let me explain to you, He did this so that they don't get angry and scared about what was going on. Imagine, they were running out of Mitzrayim. 210 years they were there. Yes, they saw all the Makos. But imagine if Paro would have given chase. They left Mitzrayim and Paro's off. It would have scared them. Oh my God, we didn't leave. We didn't leave. Now we're going out. Two million people. We have no food. We have nothing. It's scary. It's a scary situation. Says the Archaim HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew that. And that's why he did his utmost. He tried to make them realize that everything is Yad Hashem. He tried to make them realize, I'm in control here. Don't think that anything is just happenstance and just occurs. The Yom Rudivrenius, he was trying to protect them from getting angry at God. And, and blaspheming, as we know later on, actually happened. Sha'amrachakach, Hamidli and Kavar, there's not enough graves in Egypt. Hashem had to take us out to here. Unbelievable statement. It's better when in Mitzrayim. But the Archaim says Hashem's kavani here was to try to prevent that. He did something so illogical and so blatant that any rational person would think, why is Hashem telling me to do this? He did all these amazing miracles. And everybody died except for Paro. They probably knew that he was the only one that didn't die. And now he's telling us to go back. What is Paro going to think if we go backwards? Hashem says, that's exactly the point. I want you to realize that I am leading him out. It's not a natural, oh, I can't believe we let him out. I'm going to go chase. No, go backwards so that he comes out. I'm telling you to do it, to try to make you realize that you know, you're about to become my nation. Realize that everything that happens between us is Siyat HaDashmaya. And I'm trying to, he was trying to wean them away from the Avodah Zara that they were used to in Mitzrayim and the lack of Emuna. And yet, he said he did his best. Ki Hashem paro ra'a u'mishakem elav lahotzi'omi Mitzrayim l'erdovitz yorali kaveidbo. This was all part of the plan. Go backwards that he comes out. Ume'ata. And if they realize this, ein makom li Yisrael, lachush paro. There's nothing to worry about. If they realize that they're the ones that caused Paro to come out, Hashem's the one that told them to do this. So obviously, Hashem is the one that's luring Paro out. Ein makom li Yisrael, lachush paro. Bi'adaraba, yachulu drachav l'erostik vasambo. He's obviously luring him out to give one final makabapatish. This is going to be it. 
And it was, he didn't even just tell them, but he did something. He did something. He let them go backwards. All in order to try to help them realize that he's in charge. Skip a couple of lines. It'll make a mark on them. That's the point of going backwards. And that was his kavana. It didn't work, but that was his kavana. Klaistral was still scared. It shows how far we were, how much more we needed. We needed the event of Kriyas Yamsuf to be able to bring us to that level. But says the Archaim HaKadosh, that was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan and it was all a shame, it was all a shame helping Klai Yisrael understand the relationship that they were about to start with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the God and they as the, as the nation. Okay, moving right along. So B'nai Yisrael go back and Paro was on his way out and Paro gives chase. Power comes close, and B'nai Yisrael lift up their eyes, Mitzrayim Moseachrehem, and they're scared, and they start screaming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they daven amimle and kavarim, I can't believe this. Mazosa siso lanolosyanim Mitzrayim. This is exactly what we said. Chadam imenu v'navdes Mitzrayim. Kitov lanu, it's better that we would have stayed there. Unbelievable. The Medrash talks about maybe it's different groups of Jews that are saying this. Vayor Moshe la'am, Moshe says to the Am in Pasuk Yud Gimel, al tira'u. Don't be scared. Listen, stand up and you will see the Yeshua that he will do to you today. Moshe says, I promise. You see them today. You will never see Mitzrayim again. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to fight for you. You don't even have to fight. You just stand there, and remember the Archaim HaKadosh we quoted two years ago, or last year, I don't remember exactly which one, in terms of the emuna that they needed to have, Hashem says, even more than tefillah. You can review that Archaim that discusses emuna. Simple question that's asked by the Rishonim already. We touched on this in the past, but now we're going to expand on it a little more. If you look at the Medrash, the Ber Yosef, Ber Yosef Misalan quotes the Medrash in source number three, the Medrash, and it's also Yerushalmi, Arba Kitos Nasul Yisrael Alayam. B'nai Yisrael split into four groups at that, at, that, at that point in time, and they were all confused. They didn't know what to do. They were scared the Yam was in front of them, and the Mitzrayim were behind them. There was no other place to go. Every phrase in the Torah was said by a different kat, which shows the confusion. Let's go. Hashem will do something. Let's go in the water. That's our best chance of survival. The other one said, you know what, let's just give in. Let's, let's give up. Let's give up. He's here. What are we doing? Even though they just saw that the Amud Ha'ish and Amud Ha'anan are there, that also doesn't make a Roshem. On Klai Yisrael, Kasha. Let's fight. So a quarter of them said we could fight. Let's just scream. Let's just scream. Let's daven. And that's every phrase the Medrash continues. The one that says, Moshe says, stand up and see the Yeshua. 
Limitzrayim, the group that said, let's go back to Mitzrayim, Moshe says, you saw Mitzrayim, you won't see them anymore. Moshe spoke to each one of them. The question that is asked by the Rishonim, the Eben Ezra at the forefront, why didn't they all fight? Why did they all turn around? They were so scared. They were much more, there were many more numbers of Jews than there were Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim was decimated. Mitzrayim had a few, had, had horsemen left, had chariots. But Klai Yisrael won in the numbers. Millions of Jews. So why didn't they all turn around and fight? Says the Eben Ezra, again quoted by many, source that right on the right side. Now, Yishla Tamua. Why didn't they fight? So the Eben Ezra has one answer and we're going to see another two answers tonight. The Eben Ezra's answer, These were their masters for the past 200 years. Two words, slave mentality. The Jews at the time, B'nai Yisrael, they had a, they looked at the Mitzrayim. These were the people who oppressed, these were their oppressors. They couldn't get out of the mindset. They couldn't think of themselves as independent, as able to do whatever they wanted. They were Avadim. And they couldn't break it. And even though logically they should have, they just went straight back into being Avadim. Okay, that's it. What can we do? How could they turn around and fight their masters? They were weak. They were not experienced. Look a little further later in our parasha, as we'll get to this at the end. Amalek was a, a small group, and without Moshe's feelers, they wouldn't have been able to conquer them, even though they were much larger. Answer number one, the Arachayim HaKadosh, the slave mentality. The Ber Yosef says, that leaves a little bit open, because exactly the question that the Ebenezer notes, Amalek, they fought Amalek, Yes, with Moshe's help, but they did fight Amalek. What this, but is the difference because these were their oppressors? It wasn't just that they had a slave mentality. They had a slave mentality to these oppressors? Masha'enki to Amalek? Okay, but either way, that's approach number one. The Ber Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Misalan, gives two other ideas. One small one and one larger one. Says the Ber Yosef, on a practical level, line 16. Ula etzab kushyoso eben ezra hayef shalomar. Remember the Erev Rav? The groups of Mitzrayim that finally had a recognition that after all these Makkas, I think there's something that's true in what these, these Jews believe. And they went over and Moshe Rabbeinu brought them. Many, many. And Rashi says they were the cause later on of the Egel. But the Erev Rav was many. Uben Mechilta. Ribo. Some say the Erev Rav was more than a million. More than a million. Many, 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 many people amongst them. So on a practical level, says the Bar Yosef, maybe that's what they were scared of. If B'nai Yisrael turned around and started fighting the Mitzrayim at this point, who says the Erev Rav would remain loyal to their new family 
to their new religion, maybe they'll turn around. Maybe they'll, they're only in it because they like to be on a winning team. And they were on the winning team when B'nai Yisrael left Yitzrayim, but now they have to choose. Top of the next column. They wouldn't fight. Now they would have an enemy from without and from within. They wouldn't be able to withstand that fighting. Okay, the Mitzrayim. But the Erev Rav is right inside of us. They're amongst us. And that's why they couldn't fight Amalek. They weren't as worried. Because the Arab didn't come from Amalek. They didn't think that they would turn their colors and become traitors in that situation. Dafka by Mitzrayim, they were worried. So on a practical level, they didn't think that it made, it made sense. Number two. And finally, the third idea. The third idea quotes based on many Midrashim, and we talk about this in the Haggadah as well. Line 11. Remember, there was one group out of the four that said to go fight. So why did Moshe listen to them? Right, the Ebenezer's question, why did they turn around and fight? There were some Jews that fought. Why were they squashed? Why was their, they had a little bit of, uh, of koach, of oz. Moshe didn't listen to them. Why not? It seems like bedafka. They weren't supposed to fight at this time. After all, what's the next plastic that ends the Aliyah? Hashem yilachem lochem v'atem tachrishun. Says the Bar Yosef. Suggests the Bar Yosef this was all part of the divine plan. And that is v'chvodo uva'atzmo. Ge'ulas Mitzrayim has to have the stamp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There can't be anybody else involved. The Makos Okay, the, the, the mate and the wind, but that's the definition of Geulas Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu start to finish. Yeah, there are some people that go to work for me. Start to, Later on in history, as we'll get to, Amalek, there could be a war, there could be battle, there could be Nes Betoch HaTeva. HaKadosh Baruch Hu obviously is always in charge. But it can look like we have some part in it. But when it comes to the first geula of Klal Yisrael, the geula that forms the basis of the birth of our nation, that has to be Hakadosh Baruch and that's why they didn't turn around and fight. Some of them wanted to. Moshe says no, not for now. Now let's read it inside. Elisha Moshe Rabbeinu, line thirteen. Amr Lahemli Yisrael. Some of them wanted to fight, but Moshe says to them, Shehem lo yilachamu imamitzriim ela Hashem yilachem bishvilchem. Hashem will fight. Why? Viatama nachon bazanire. Kishak Kadosh Baruch Hu shalchol Moshe. When Hashem sent Moshe back in Parsha Shmos to take Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim, U Moshe ta'an and Moshe said, Mi anochi? Who am I? Who am I? Ki elich aparo. Amrals have a medrash. The medrash tells us Moshe complained. What was Moshe really saying? Why are you sending me? Hashem, it's supposed to be you. Hashem, you promised the Avos. You told Yaakov back in Parshas Vayigash in the Maris Halayla, and we've spoken about the Meshachach in Vayigash. The only Av that has a Maris Halayla. Hashem appears to Yaakov Avinu 
It says, Anochi Ered Imcha Mitzrayma Anochi Alcha Gamalo. I'm going to bring you down and I'm going to bring you up. And now you're telling me I should go? Oh no. I'm not. I'm not going. You have to go. It's up to you. I know the Misora. They all knew the Misora. Remember? They all knew the Misora. And also the same Medrash. Right? Am I the one from Brisbane Abbasarim? I didn't make the promise. I could have spoken who it's you. You promised Avram. You promised Yaakov. The measures throughout all of these stories of Moshe's complaining to Hashem, I don't want to go. It wasn't just like on the surface. That Hashem, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm humble. I shouldn't be... No, Hashem, you have to go. This is Gaul has been trying. You have to go. And, and Akadosh Baruch Hu answers, I'm going. Don't worry. I'm coming with you, but I just need you to start the process. I need you to be a player in the process. But that's the root of what's happening here. Says the Ber Yosef, now line 38 on the bottom, Imkain, Nimsa, Shahagulai, Tzri Chalios, Rak, Aydekadosh Baruch Hu Ba'atzmo. Why couldn't B'nai Yisrael turn around and fight? Because it's not that time period. This is Gulas Mitzrayim. Yes, the Ebenezer says slave mentality. But this is deeper. Some of them didn't have a slave mentality. You see that in the Medrash. Hashem had to do it. Beli shum pu'ula v'shumasiyai de b'nei adam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Don Anochi. I will take care of the Mitzrayim. Ukapta chasal Yaakov. V'anochi. It's always Anochi. Like we say in the Haggadah. Ani v'lo shliach v'makas b'choros. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does it. Vehine finishing up now. And even though one might say, well, isn't it finished yet? It's finished already. They're out of Mitzrayim. Oh, no. Gulus Mitzrayim is not finished yet. It's not finished yet. Until the Yamsuf spits up the corpses and B'nai Yisrael see them. Ro'u ha-Mitzrayim. Right, what we say every morning. Right, when they saw them in Vayosha Hashem. They saw them until that point, they were still slaves. The Geula was not complete. And if they weren't Batuach Ba'atzmam, then the Geula wasn't complete, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu still had a job to do. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself had to do it. And that's why Moshe turns around and says to all of them, Hashem Yilachem Lachem. Hashem's going to do it, He's going to fulfill His promise. The Atem Tacharishun is all going to be through Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and that answers the Ebenezer's question: What happened by Amalek? All of a sudden, they turned around. Yeah, that's after the Gula. Now Gula's Mitzrayim has been complete after Kriyas Yamsuf. Yes, in a sense, Maimon Arsinai is the ultimate, the Hevesi Lakachti. But Kriyas Yamsuf, Vayaminu Bashem of Moshe Avdo. Once they reach that level, that was Gula's Mitzrayim. Now Bnei Yisrael can take part in their own defense with HaKadosh Baruch Hu behind the scenes. That is a basic Ber Yosef that gives us a whole insight into the entire story of Parshas Bo and Parshas B'Shalach. Okay, moving right along. We know in the text of the story, now it's getting into the actual major, major part of the Parsha, Perg Yudalet, Pasik. Chaf Aleph, Bnei Yisrael, 
Start going in. Moshe lifts up his yad. And a strong east wind comes the whole night. And the entire yam turns to dry land. And it splits. As the Ramban says in the Pasuk, Kodesh Baruch always clothes miracles in Teva. And that's why there's a strong east wind. So people could say what a strong tide there is. And they go into the dry land. And the water is a wall to them. We know that the Medrash tells us a different story of what happens. In the text of the Torah Shav, we have Moshe Rabbeinu lifting up his hand, the wind coming, the sea split. But the Medrash tells us that there was one man that did it himself. He went in, Ad, Moshe, until he was about to die, until he was about to drown, because he had the Amunah. That's the Gemara Masech Sota. You get in the beginning of source number four. They're all fighting with each other. And they're each saying, I'm not going in, I'm not going in. Nachshon says, okay, I'll do it. Gemara in Masech Sota. Simple question. What did Nachshon see and realize that nobody else did? After all, throughout our history, B'nai Yisrael have given many, many karbanos. And many millions of Jews throughout history have been ready to be Moser Nefer, Salkinish Hashem. And all of a sudden, after seeing the Makos, we weren't ready. There was only one Jew that was on that level. Only Nachshon. All the Jews in history afterwards, they were on a different level. What did Nachshon get that, that nobody else did? Simple question. Ask of Chayin Shulevitz. V'yesh l'tamua, line 6. I think we might have discussed this in a different context, in a different parasha. But I don't think we ever did it here in B'Shalach, so here it is. V'hariyam Yisrael, imun al-Masiris Nefesh. B'mesh ha-kol ad-doros, moser Nefesh. We quote in the past, Rav Chaim Yivalajan's thought on Pirkei Avos, on the Mishnah that Avram Avinu passed ten tests. One of them was the Akedah. And there the Lashon in the Mishnah is Avram Avinu, it says. May Noach had Avram Avinu. Why does it say Avinu? Because he implanted in us the power to pass the ten tests also. It wasn't just ten tests for him, it was ten tests for us. He gave us the ability. So throughout history... We've been Moser Nefesh. So what was so unique about Nachshon that he was the only one that was able to get up the strength to jump into the Yam? Says the Sichas Musr, says of Chayin Shmulevitz. We don't understand what was happening and what Hashem was demanding from them at that moment. Hashem was not asking them to be Moser Nefesh, Hashem, to give their lives. Nobody died! None of them died. That's not what was being asked here. To be Moser Nefesh HaKadosh Hashem, to jump into the sea, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked me to, and if I'm, I'm, I'm HaKadosh Hashem, right, serve Avodah Zarah, or jump into the sea, we all would have done it. All Christ would have done it. But what was going on at the Yamsuf right now was something different. It was an even higher level that was being demanded. Jump into the sea and realize that it's, it's like dry land. Because I'm going to save you. Jump into the sea and you're going to get wet. And you're going to feel like you're drowning. And you're not going to be able to breathe. But treat it as if 
You're walking where there's no water. That's what Hashem was demanding. Not to be Moser Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem, to keep your Nefesh al Kiddush Hashem, to have such a Muna that Hashem is with me even in this very challenging environment. And there's nothing to fear. Only Nachshon was on that level. Line 16. If they were asked, jump into the sea to give your nefesh, they would have. They wouldn't have waited a moment. Jump in to live. Don't jump in to die. They said, to live? What are you talking about to live? It's a yam. We'll, we'll, we'll die for you, Hashem. But to live for you? What are you talking about? This is a yam. Nachshon says, fine. Hashem says, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to go in. Ulahargish ki'ilu chareva upoti yahatsalasam lamadrega zulo higiel shvatim. Ela nachshon benaminata bovad. Only nachshon was on that level to realize that it's, it's perfect. It's fine. Hashem protects me. And that's the depth of the Pasuk in Yermio, the Torah for Rosh Hashanah. Zochati lachesen urayach. Avas kulosayach. Lech midbar. Go into the midbar and feel in the midbar and have the attitude that there's a makolet every hundred yards. Have that attitude, even though it's a desert. They didn't know they were going to get the money. They didn't know what they were going to do. But no, Hashem is, Hashem is with me. And it doesn't matter on the situation. It doesn't matter. And he gives the beautiful mashal. Again, we quoted this a number of years ago. Let's say you have a mother, line 30. A mother is carrying her baby with her. The baby feels safe. Let's say the mother goes into the lion's den. It's a very dangerous situation. The baby doesn't feel any different. The baby feels safe. Because the baby's surrounded and coddled by the mother. It doesn't matter the situation that the mother is in the baby feels safe. That's us in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, if we realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is holding us and grasping us, so then we won't feel anything. But that's an unbelievable level that only Nachshab and Aminadav was on. And he just adds, he says, that's, that's the level that Hanani, Mishal, Vazari were on as well. When they jumped into the fiery furnace with Nebuchadnezzar, Says the Gemara, says the Yalkut, I'm sorry, line number one now in the next piece. They jumped in so that Hashem does a miracle for them. What does that mean? They knew it was going to happen. They knew Hashem was going to save them and cool off the, the fire. They didn't know that. That would take away the whole, the whole zchus. No, but they looked at it and they knew they felt safe with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. We're going into the furnace and it's up to him. And if he wants it to be cool, it will be cool. That was the level of Nachshon ben Aminadav. That was the level of Nachshon ben Aminadav. And the message for us, each on our own level, is we have to feel like that baby in, our, in, in the mother's hands. We have to realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu holds us throughout our lives. Okay. A comment that we make each year, but we're going to have a different answer for it. And that is, we have one of the high points, if not the high point of Jewish history, one of them, Kriyas Yamsuf, B'nai Yisrael, unbelievable level. Minogav Klai is to stand up for the laning. 
We reach the end. Hashem, Yivok, Leolam, Vaed. Miriam, Anavia takes out her musical instruments were reflected. Her emuna. she knew Hashem was going to do that. Nisim. And as we alluded to before, before we could even finish the Aliyah, B'nai Yisrael are thirsty and they're complaining for water and Hashem gets upset, not upset, just he makes, takes the bitter tree, bitter water. How is this a hemshech to Kriyas Yamsuf? How are we supposed to understand right after this unbelievable event of the Makos of last week's Parsha and Kriyas Yamsuf of this week's Parsha and there we have, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Right? We can be... How, how do we go from all the way up there to all the way down here? And Kodesh Baruch is going to give us the promise of Kolomachlo, which we'll get to. How are we supposed to understand the Hemshech, the segue between the two, the, the Psukim of Kriyas Yamsuf, right following Psukim about we're thirsty. Says Rav Shamsur Rafael Hirsch, an unbelievable Ha'ara. Source number five. Five and six. It's to teach Am Yisrael a very important lesson. B'nai Yisrael, up until this point, have had miracles. Hashem is in charge of Dam Sfardei Akinim, the Makos, and Kriyas Yamsuf, and the Amura An on the Amura Eish. B'nai Yisrael are in awe. But there's one thing they don't realize. Let's read Refersh's words. The salvation from Egypt in the passage, again, the translation into English from German, and the passage through the sea has taught, had taught for all time that God was extraordinarily near at moments of extraordinary danger and crisis. When you're a Sarah, Hashem is there. But that he could be depended on for the ordinary requirements of everyday life in all circumstances. That the so-called little daily necessities of man are not too small and petty for the divine eye to see. That one who is faithful to God with every breath he draws can confidently rely on the constant presence of his help. That's what the next section of our history, it turned into 40 years, had to teach them. Hashem is not only involved in the miracles and to save you from subjugation. You know what? Hashem gives you water to drink every single day of your life. Hashem is, is what opens the ATM in order to take out money for you. Hashem is involved in everyday life. In all the petty little issues in our life, there's Hashkacha Pratis. Like we say in Asher Yatsar, Goli Hashem, it's Goli in front of your great throne that if my little holes, if my plumbing doesn't work properly, I won't be able to survive. Really, in front of God's Kisei HaKavid, He cares about my orifices. And my plumbing, that's exactly Rehersh's point. Kriya's Yamsov goes right into, I need water. I'm thirsty. This journey was now only really beginning. This Torah that wants every second of our daily life to be spent in the service of God requires an essential trait. Confidence in Hashem. It requires complete confidence in the constant presence of God ever ready to help. And the knowledge that carrying out his will has the power to guide us safely and happily through the most desolate deserts of our life. Skip two lines. The first experience was to be gained in Mara. They had no water. And the water was bitter. Hashem makes a tree. Bitter tree, bitter water to teach us. Hashem gives us water. Shum there in the face of this experience of seeing how the bitterest becomes sweet. 
Hashem gave them the fundamentals. It's a needed continuation of realizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge, not only in the extreme situations of being stuck by the Yamsuf, but also being in less extreme situations, and that is requiring war. Okay. Continuing this Aliyah, we have the last Pasuk in the Aliyah. So after we get the water, Hashem says to us, there's a condition about this whole connection that we have. Right? I help you out in the miraculous, I help you out in the daily life. Vayomer. Hashem says, if you listen, there's something called Tzachar Onish. V'hayosher be'inav ta'aseh, and you follow, and you do what's yashar. V'ha'azan ta'la mitzvosav. V'shamar ta'al kol chukav. And you listen to everything he has to say. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kol machler, shersati, b'mitzrayim, lo'asem alecha, ki ani Hashem rofecha. All diseases, all sicknesses that I put in Egypt, I put in Mitzrayim, I will not place on you, because I am Hashem, your doctor. I am Hashem, Rof Echa. And the question that all the Bepharshim ask is, if we're not going to get sick, then what do we need a doctor for? Hashem says, I won't give you all the machlos, because I'm your doctor. So the simple understanding, one could say is, the best doctor is preventative. The best doctor are the ones that we go to when we're healthy for well checkups, and he tells us how to stay healthy. That's a simple interpretation that one can say. I won't give any of the sicknesses because I'm the doctor and I will preventative medicine is the best medicine in the world. But there's another idea here, says the Malbim. And the Malbim gives us an insight into the unique relationship that Kadesh Baruch Hu has with his people, especially in contrast to what happened in Mitzrayim. Because says the Malbim, if you think about it, what does Hashem say? The machlis that I put in Mitzrayim, I'm not going to give you. Oh, thanks a lot, Hashem. You know, dam akinim. You know, those are pretty radical, extreme issues and 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 uh, plagues. I'm not going to give you those. Okay, thanks. How about, how about a little more protection? I don't really feel safe. You won't give me the makos. How about other sicknesses? How about other less extreme diseases? So, what does Hashem mean? I'm not going to give you the machlis of Mitzrayim. Says the Malbim, no. The machlis of Mitzrayim had a certain purpose to them. And anything that I give you will have a very different purpose. Let's see what the Malbim says. Source 7. So we have a lot of 1800s today. We have Rav Hirsch. We have the Malbim. Right? We are going into the late Achronim. The Ber Yosef was even later. Rav Chaish Levitt. 1800s, 1900s. But we mentioned the Eben Ezra. So we... Started off in the world of the of the Rishonim, and we'll get back to another one, Balpeh, in a minute. But says the Malp. Kolamachla, ki amachla shesam bibitzrayim lo haisam machla tivis. Raknisis, shebabasibas choli nafsham. As is known, the miraculous plagues in Mitzrayim, it wasn't just regular sicknesses. That's not the topic of this Pasik. It's not a regular doctor. It's talking about divine spiritual sicknesses. Because they were so lowly on a spiritual level, I gave them certain plagues that there was no 
refuah for. There was no panacea for them. There was no way they could get out of these plagues. Because the purpose, they, they were so mishuchas and metuav, ervas haaretz, because of their holy hanefesh, I had to give them makos that were spiritual. Most, not all, but most diseases have some type of refua, even though we might not have discovered it yet. And if we listen to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we won't get these. But now says the Malbim, let me get to the to the root issue of what I'm trying to say. Line nine. You know why they were they were spiritual plagues, meaning without healing, because the purpose was to hit them. The purpose was to punish them, and therefore, if Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants to punish somebody, there's no healing that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to do it. But any time says Hashem that I ever have to give a maka to Klal Yisrael, my children. It's not per se to punish to hit. It's to bring them closer to me ultimately. It's to somehow maybe cleanse them in this world so that in the next world they'll be able to be purified. It's similar to what? Like some a doctor who's bloodletting a patient. He first gets the blood clotting elements ready before he causes the the bleeding. Because the purpose is to help you. It's not to punish. And that's the difference. Those types of makos, which don't have a trufa because they're just meant to punish. If you follow my word, says Hashem, None of those types of makos will be on you. You'll have other types of makos, Rahman al because the Baruch Hu has his reasons, and he knows what's good for us. But it's all, it's all with a trufa in mind, even before. Even before. And he continues on line 17. I'm sorry, let's continue uh, on line 13. So he lets them know A master telling a servant something is different than a doctor telling a patient something. A master asking a servant something is because the master wants something. A doctor telling a patient something is because the doctor knows that the patient needs something. That's the difference. Master and servant in one sense, yes, Hashem is Malkeinu. But first and foremost, he's Avinu. And whenever he brings anything to us, he's Rafa'inu, Rofechole Amo Yisrael, he's Rofechinamata. Rakederacha Rofech Hamitzaves Achole, Ritzonisha Adona Mitzaves Avdo. When an Adon says something, Boatzivuyim Lutzaracha Adon Hamitzaves Yavod Avodaso. It's all for the purpose of the Adon to get something out of it. But when it's a doctor, it's for the patient. And that is how we understand this Pasuk. It's a whole way of looking at difficulties in life, says the Malbim. If you listen to me, says Hashem, then any Machla that I bring, it's not going to be like the Machla Mitzrayim, which is just to patch, just to hit. I'm not going to put that on you. 
No, Kiani Hashem Rafecha. I am your doctor. And what does a doctor do? A doctor only gives to the patients items that are good for the patients. And Hashem knows what's good for us ultimately, even if we don't always understand everything that He does. Just to add in one Torah Shabbat pet that I saw recently that I, that I did not mention, and that is one halachic point of the night. One halachic point of the night. We know later on in the Parsha, in Perek Tezayin Pasach Hafei, that Pasach is the source for having three meals on Shabbos. Shalos Seudos. After the Mon, right, Kriyas Yamsov, the Mon is the next major section. It says the word Hayom three times in the Torah, in this Pasik. So, three meals. There's even a sheet of Rabbi Chitka. It says Hayom three times. You have to have four meals. One at night and three by day. We don't pass it like Rabbi Chitka. But three meals. Sudan, three meals a day. So there is a Shulchan Arach that is not so well known. Shulchan Arach says... Simin Kuf Samach Zayin. The Shulchan Aruch is not in Hilchas Shabbos. It's in Hilchas B'tziyas Apas. In Hilchas making Amotzi. Arachayim. We just, you know, those have, that have grown up in, in uh, or of the Western countries in America, we never have bread during the week. Right? It's in, in, in most of the world, it's a staple of society, but we never have bread except when we have pizza or a sandwich. But if one eats bread... On a weekday, not only on Shabbos. The Shulchan Aruch says we should hold the bread in our hands. We're supposed to, when we make the bracha on Amotzi, we're supposed to put down the knife and hold the bread in our hands. There's a whole way to do it with covering the chalas on Shabbos, not for now, but we're supposed to hold the bread with our ten fingers. The Shulchan Aruch quotes why. Why ten fingers? Says the Shulchan Aruch, Kuf Samach Zayin It's not on your sheet. Yitin Shdeyadav Alapas Meshasa Bracha. Sheishbon Yudex Bos. Why? The Shulchan Aruch, unbelievable, very unusual. He gives reasons. Number one, Keneged Yud Mitzvos Atzulios Papas. There are ten mitzvos that are performed in order to produce a kosher piece of bread. Ten mitzvos. What are the ten mitzvos? Look at the Mishnah Bura. He quotes it. Number one, No Kilai Behema. You don't plow the field with with cross with two different animals. Number two, you don't have Kilayim. When you plant, you plant the wheat away from everything else. Number three, you don't muzzle your animal when you have them threshing. That's three. Then you have lekechicha and peya. That's six. Then you have truma, maiserishon, maisersheni, and challah. Ten mitzvos that we do in order to produce a kosher piece of bread. Without any Averis, right? On the bread, we should get Lilo, Chash, you know, Kilai Behema. We don't have to go that far. But either way, so we hold the bread. Something to think about. When we hold, when we hold our challah roll, right? Ten fingers because of the ten mitzvahs that were done. The Shulchan Aruch said, doesn't stop there. That's why there's ten words in the Bracha of Amotzi. Right? So I've seen some people... Use that instead of Hoshia Samecha when counting for a minion. Baruch Hashem, I don't know who's called Hashem, but Hamosi Lechem in Aretz. Ten words. It's a Shulchan Aruch right here. The Yud Tevos Bapasik Matzmiach Chatzil Abahima. The Pasik in Barchi Nafshi that talks about producing sustenance for all animals. The Yud Tevos, this is all the Shulchan Aruch. The Yud Tevos, ten words in the Pasik. The Yud Tevos Bapasik Eretz Chitao Sora. 
Shiva Saminim. Vayurtevos Bepasach V'yitam Lecha. V'yitam Ten words in all of these psukim, going back to the ten mitzvos, and ten words in Amotzi. So the next time we have our bread meal, so we can think about this. Ten fingers on the on the on the on the bread. Okay, moving right along to the last section of the parsha, Amalek. Maftir, we have the first time Amalek attacks. The laning of Purim, the only time we lay nine psukim. The laning of Purim, the maftir, before the maftir. Vayavo Amalek. The question that is asked by the Abarbanel is why is Amalek so unique? There is no other nation in the world that we have a separate mitzvah saseid to Orisa to remember what they did to us. The Abarbanel is going to be quoted in source number eight. There is no other nation. What, only because they were the first? They were the first to attack us? Yes, there were some other nations that can't marry in. Ammon and Moab. We can't go back to Mitzrayim. But to remember and to wipe out Amalek. Why? What's unique about them? Again, this is a Purim Vart. But what's unique about them? Says the Abarbanel, it's quoted, it's summarized. In the Hadrash Vayin, Rabbi Ari Levine, but it's not Barbanel. Look at the Barbanel. Amalek was unique in that every other, almost every other nation that we have attacking us, they're out for Jewish blood. And they're anti Semite and they're against us. They're against the people of Israel. Amalek was unique in that. Their motto, what they stood for more than anything, was anti-God. Anti-Hashem. And then, as a secondary level, anti-Jewish. Because as we know, the symbol of Amalek, Amalek was the anti-Hashkacha nation. They attacked us. Why? What does Rashi say in Kiseitzai? Because they wanted to disprove and undermine Emunah in the world. Emunah was so hot, everybody believed. After the Makas, after Kriyas Yamsuf, Amalek jumps into the hot tub and cools it off for everybody. What's the, me- what's the message? Because they wanted to show after the Makas, no, it's coincidence. As many point out, Amalek is Gemashriya Suffolk. He implanted doubt in the world. That's what makes him unique. And that's why we stand up. And say we will never forget. And we have a mitzvah and a Kaddish Baruch Hu's covet that comes even before our covet. That is a unique enemy. And what does the Pasuk say? God's name will not be complete until Mashiach comes. And Amalek is totally wiped out. And the whole world realizes Ashkacha. Not just Am Yisrael. That's what makes Amalek unique because they started up being anti-God even before they were anti-Jewish. That's how the, again, that's the Abarbanel and the Joshua Ha'iyan expands upon that a little bit right here in source number eight and nine. Just to end off with one connected Amalek thought, and not Amalek, but uh, Parsha thought, a thought on the Haftorah. thought on the Haftorah. If you look at the Haftorah, there's a Pasuk, there's a Gemara that's based on a Pasuk in the Haftorah. Pasuk says, you have it in the last source, The ones that are loved by God are like compared to the sun. The Gemara in Gittin Darshins, 
ovim. This pasuk is referring to those who are insulted, embarrassed, and don't insult back. They hear their disgrace and they hold it in. They are blasphemed, they are disgraced, and they don't say anything back. And that's this pasuk. Right, this is obviously in Shiraz Dvorah, the Haftorah. Says Hadrash Vahayin, same author is quoted here in the Mayana Shal Torah, source number 10. Why Dafka the sun? Why is the sun the mashal for Ne'ela Ve'ino Olev? Like the sun in all its glory. Says the Drash Vahayin. And Ne'ela Ve'ino Olev is only true about one's own self. But for somebody else's covet, we have a chiv to stand up for them. It's only our own, own covet we have to let slide, and we have to be ne'ela ve'ina olev. But if somebody else is being insulted, so we have to stand up for them. It's a fellow Jew. It's a fellow person. That's exactly what the son did. There are two stories about the son. The most famous one is in Parshas Bracious. The sun and the moon, and the moon comes like a spark. It is not fair. There can't be two leaders. The sun stays silent. It has to do with me. Doesn't say a word. And yet, the Gemara says, quoted here, that when Korach was starting out with Moshe Rabbeinu, the sun didn't want to come out until Hakadosh Baruch Hu took care of the fight. Moshe Rabbeinu, look what Korach's doing. Until they're taken care of, I'm not coming and rising today. When it comes to others, I'm going to stand up for them. When it comes to myself, that's exactly what the son did, and that's why that's the mushal in the medrash of Ne'elav Ono Olev. It's a challenging midah. Ne'elav Ono Olev. Someone who lets things slide. Someone who is, you know, doesn't doesn't say anything back. But this is a mitah that we all need to work on, a mitah that if all of Kla Yisrael could be great, there'll be a lot more avas in the world, and Brother Shem, that would lead us to the next great chizayon. After Kriyas Yamsov, after Maimon Ar-Sinai, Binyan Beis HaMikdash with Mashiach from Herav Yamein.